You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious off-season episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers land one of the highest-rated recruits in kind of the 24-7 recruiting era uh, as they land Mackenzie Mbako out of New Jersey, uh, who decommitted from Duke, was down between Indiana and Kansas, and today announced that he will be coming to Bloomington, playing for Indiana uh, in a recruitment that really... I mean, you look at this one, it was really was one of the tightest lipped recruitments that I can remember. I mean, with no leaks and, you know, some people expressing confidence, the Kansas people, uh, who clearly were a little bit misplaced in their confidence. Um, but, you know, as, as it started to get closer to decision time, and we talked about this a little bit on the show last night, it kind of started to feel like some things were trending in Indiana's direction. Um, You know, and last night I said on the show, if I had to place a bet, I would probably place it for Kansas just because it seemed like a recruitment that Kansas would win. But as today went on and kind of some more signs started to trickle out and some more conversations were had, you know, kind of on the back channels, it really did start to feel like Indiana had a legit shot to win this one and win it they did. Uh, And, you know, a huge one for Indiana in an offseason where, it's not like this has been a bad offseason so far. You know, I saw someone tweet earlier today, it's felt like this offseason has been all frustration. It's like, okay, but we landed one of the top five guys in the portal uh, in Kalel Ware, which is pretty good. And now we've landed one of the 10 or 15 best recruits in the country in Mackenzie Mbako. And so we are going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about it here. I sent out the StreamYard link to a lot of people, so we'll see who joins. As usual, we kind of have a rotating cast of characters. But Coach Tonsoni, you were in Bloomington, and look at that. You got IU artifacts with you. Uh, let me get your instant reaction there with the people. How's everybody responding to this? Wow, it is it is absolutely awesome. A lot of thumbs up in a concession stand line. People walking by. There's thumbs up from my son um, Chris Williams walking by. Just a lot of uh, good vibes here when uh, Indiana gets a recruit. Uh, that'll just help their roster. So uh, just good news, and it seems like uh, everyone's pretty happy down here. As they should be. I mean, look, it, you know, to put this into context, if you look at the recruiting rankings and the best players that Indiana have, has gotten, okay, in the 24-7 database, Romeo is number one. His rating was .9983. I think he was, you know, the sixth or seventh highest rated recruit. He's at the top. The second highest rated recruit in terms of their ranking as a high school player is Kalel Ware, the third highest ranking recruit in terms of their ranking as a high school player is Mackenzie Mbako. And if you go down that list a little bit, number nine is Malik Renu. So as worried as we all were, and I think there are still questions and we'll talk about all that, this guarantees nothing, but Indiana is going to go into next season with three of the 10 highest rated recruits they've ever had in their starting lineup. And so there'll be a lot of questions about fit and you know how's this going to work and the offense is going to look different. But one thing is unmistakable, and that is that Indiana went into this offseason needing to replenish the talent and hopefully, you know, talent in a little bit of a different position so that they'd be able to play differently. And they have absolutely done that 
Uh, they had done it already before, but now they got the impact wing uh, that they've really been looking for. And we're going to spend some time here on this show kind of talking about what to expect from Mackenzie Mbako. And so we're going to try something here. Uh, our buddy Rob Cassidy from Rivals is in Dallas. Uh, he is checking out some AAU events, and he was kind enough to hop on with us. So we're going to check out what the audio quality is. Rob, how's Dallas? It's good. I'm going to try to walk to the lobby uh, okay. so you guys can hear me a little better. Okay. Um, it's good. There are basketball games, if you can hear and speak. Yep. Um, is you can hear the squeaking bad? of sneakers. Yeah, let me, uh, let me try to find a lobby here. Okay. Uh, how are you guys doing? I mean, I, I can tell you I was a little <laughs> bit... Uh, I, was a, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was shocked by it. I thought it was possible, but I, if you would have asked me earlier today, I definitely would have thought it was going to be game. Wait, okay, can you give me a little bit of kind of insight yeah. into that from your perspective? Like, what was it that made a lot of people think this was going to be Kansas? Was it just the assumption that Kansas beats Indiana for these recruitments right now, or was there more no, than that? I don't know why. You know, I can't speak for anybody else. Yeah. For me, the reason that I thought it was Kansas is because before he even visited Kansas or Indiana or the Louisville thing happened, I was told – by somebody that I would say is close to him, that I would watch Kansas close to him. So yeah. when he cut it down to Kansas and Indiana, I was just kind of relying on that. And then he, okay, it's probably Kansas. Yeah. You know? Um, and then everything just started seeming to point in that direction. But I never got any concrete confirmation. So I, I hedged uh, better than most people did. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of happy I did that. Is that awesome. better? I'm outside now. Yeah, you made you made it outside. Blue skies looks good. Sounds good. Um, so okay, so give us a little bit of insight into Mackenzie. I mean, we've seen a lot of us have seen highlight videos of him, but haven't really seen him play. What are we getting? So he's a first off the bus type guy. You know, like he, this is a guy that when you see him, you know, I always tell my wife there are certain guys that I can bring you to a gym and you wouldn't have to see them play basketball, and I can tell you pick out the Division One player. He's the one that you would pick, you know, he looks like a college ready prospect and he knows how to use that body. You know, he's a slasher first and foremost, kind of a rim runner. He's become a better shooter, but that's not his game yet. Um, but he uses, you know, he's, he's an agile, obviously long and strong kid that can put the ball in the form pretty darn well uh, and get to the rim and kind of bully his way into creating his own shots. Uh, he's going to get better. You know, he's a defensive monster because he's a guy that can defend Almost any position on the floor. I mean, you don't want him to match up on a point guard for long stretches, but if he gets caught in a switch, he can do okay there on the perimeter. Block shots pretty well in the paint. Changes shots pretty well in the paint. Going to need to get to be a better, uh, you know, just a better shooter. From creating shots for himself from the outside. He doesn't do that so well yet. It's not that he won't try to do it. Yeah. Because he will. Um, and I think it'll come some, too, because he is a willing shooter, a willing rebounder. Uh, but, you know, once that jumper starts going, he's able to stretch the floor a little bit more. I think he'll take the next step. See, that's interesting because I think a lot of our conversations have revolved around his shot and how you know good it looks and how it you know really should translate to the college game. And yet, you know, you see some of the stats like from EYBL last year and his outside shooting really struggled. His free throw shooting struggled. And so you're saying right now his offensive game is actually I mean, he's got an inside game. He can slash. He can score in other ways than just the outside shot. It's good to hear. Yeah, that's and that's what kind of keeps him effective right now is he's kind of trying to figure that outside shot out. I mean, you, you pointed out yourself. It looks good. Now, it's not going in right now, but it doesn't look as disjointed as it did a year ago. So there's yeah. some trajectory there where you can kind of see it developing. Uh, I don't think that he's going to lead Indiana in three-point attempts. 
<laughs> um, you know, and he, if, 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 you don't even see that. You know, he does so many other things well that even if he can become an above average shooter, it adds a whole new dimension to his game because it has to be respected. And then, you know, he can blow by you. Uh, if you're the, you know, if you're another defender his size, he's athletic yeah. and strong enough to where he can he can get to the rim. And if you have to start respecting that three point game of his down the road, then he becomes something even more dangerous on the offensive end. I think. You know, obviously in modern basketball, position designations don't mean as much anymore. But traditionally speaking, do you view him more as a three or a four? And how do you think the fit will be playing alongside Kalel Ware and Malik Renew, which is what you would project as Indiana's starting lineup right now? I think he's probably a four. I'd view him more as a four right now just because he's not, you know, he can put the ball on the floor, but I would want him as like a secondary ball handler. The shot's not there yet, as we discussed. So ideally, you could play him. I mean, he can play both places. But ideally, I think in an ideal world, you play him at the four. Now, he can play the three. You know, you know, we're nitpicking here. And that's the thing. When we start talking about these five-star guys, yeah. you talk about them in a different way than you talk about some of the guys at the back end of the 150. Because I've seen this kid 30 times. You know, So I've had time. And I try to guard against this. But, you know, you start doing this with these high earning kids where you start nitpicking them, you know, and then you, the next thing you know, you're talking about them like they're not great players, but it's just because you've spent hours watching them and you've learned every hole in their game. So ideally a four, but like he would be better than a lot of threes in the country. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge that he'll face in the transition from high school to college? You know, I think for him, there's going to be obviously it's developing a structure. And also, and also, just not, he's so used to being the biggest, strongest player on the floor by leaps and bounds that he can rely on kind of bullying, getting position, using his frame. Uh, when everybody else looks like him or close to like him, it might be a little bit of an adjustment for him, I think, uh, just to realize that, okay, I'm going to have to find other ways uh, to get my shot. But I, he does have, you know, he's got the agility to do it. So, you know, I'm not too worried about it. There might be a, a short learning curve there, uh, just because everybody has to adjust to that. Step yeah. up conversation, I Last question for you, Rob. Now, I really appreciate you taking this time because I know obviously you're Absolutely. busy watching games and stuff. Um, you know, I guess my, my last question when it comes to, um, you know, McKenzie is just from like a personality standpoint, like what have you kind of learned about him and kind of what he's like and from a culture fit, what he'll be like in Indiana? He is, you know, he's not one of the more outgoing kids in this class. As long as, you know, like, you never really know these kids. You know, there are guys that he could be super outgoing with his friends and his teammates and could be, you know, uh, you know, he could be the, the class clown for all I know. But, you know, so we judge by, okay, what are they like with the media? You and I both know is different than what they're like in the locker room. You know? yeah. He is a little bit guarded with us. Um, he doesn't say a lot. He's very, very well media trained, whereas he's good at saying a lot of words without saying anything. And a lot of kids are not at this age, which is a good thing for a college program. That probably makes Mike Woodson very, very happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's he's coming in with some media training and polish. Uh, I'm sure there is a personality there, and he just doesn't want to show the media, which I would not either, because we end up vilifying people for that. Um, so I yeah. get it, but he's he's I don't want to say he's bland, but he is very businesslike. We'll go we'll go with that. Yeah, very nice. Anything else that we should know about him from your time watching him as we uh, celebrate here his commitment? The thing that I like about him the most, I think, is just how battle tested he is. You know, he played, he's played against, you know, between playing against St. Bernard's and playing uh, for the Scholars, he's played the highest level of high school basketball for the last three years. You know, it's not like he spends his time playing in 
the middle of you know Ohio high school that doesn't play a national schedule. You know, he's constantly taking the floor against guys that are going to be Division One athletes and possible NBA players. So I think that's encouraging, uh, especially when it comes to the transition. You know, he's not going to be shocked by the talent level. Yeah. Excellent. Rob, thank you so much. Go watch the rest of your games, man. Really Absolutely, appreciate you. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this, man, and enjoy Dallas. All right, thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you, Rob. The great Rob Cassidy from Rivals giving us some insight uh, on Mackenzie and Baco. I think our buddy Tony Adranya will be here soon. Uh, so we'll see who else shows up. Coach, I'm curious to get your reaction there on what Rob said because the way that he described Mackenzie and Baco's offensive game is more versatile than the way we've talked about it. Um, and that's good. That's why I wanted to have him on because, you know, we haven't, you know, been sitting in hot gyms on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, you know, watching him play. And it's good to get insight from people that have seen him play over and over and over again. So what was your reaction there to what we learned from Rob? Uh, a couple things. One, I think you got to force feed him into the three. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously he's not going to shoot like Miller Cop did at the three, but he can drive it. He can do some ultimate things. I, I don't think, uh, again, uh, you got to put him in the lineup and let him go. The, but the best thing I heard was he's businesslike. Yeah. Uh, that means a lot to me that the, the guy's serious about his craft, at least at this point in his career. Uh, he's media savvy. There's a little bit of maturity that uh, sometimes young kids don't come into college with. He's battle tested. Those words that we just heard are, are not the stats or not the, the, the flashy things about a five-star recruit. But if you get five-star recruits, you kind of want that behind the scenes because that, that's going to be the Hood Shafino. That's what we liked about Hood Shafino. He was serious. He loved his craft. He worked at the game. Uh, and, and so you know he's going to get in Cook Hall. He's going to put up shots. He's going to listen to Coach Woodson. He's going to want to defend. He's going to want to be a complete player for as long as he's going to wear an Indiana uniform. That's the kind of kid that we love the five-star. We, we love the fit. Obviously, we want him to get a shot fixed and get better. Uh, but those things, when you get a talented guy, sometimes it's a flip of the coin uh, with the motor and with the idea. And that's what I took from what I just heard uh, more more than anything. But uh, And then the other thing was he's probably a better four than he is a three. But he's better than a lot of threes across the country. So, so just slot him, slot him in there and let's go, you know. I mean, look, if you if you project it out right now, I think it's very fair to expect that four of your starters are going to be Xavier Johnson, Mackenzie Mbako, Malik Renew, and Kalel Ware. I know there have been questions about this, you know, like, okay, what did Malik show us last year that shows he's going to be a starter? He had a pretty good freshman year for, uh, you know, for a big guy. And again, remember, Mbako, Renew, Ware, three of the 10 highest rated recruits that Indiana has gotten in the last, you know, 25 years. So these guys are going to play. They're going to play together. I think the four of them will start and then we'll see who starts alongside them. It could be someone else that Indiana gets out of the transfer portal because there are still going to be options. It could be Trey Galloway hanging on to his starting spot that people always want to take from him, which probably is the, you know, the safe bet right now, you know, or a guy like CJ Gunn could develop and be that guy. Um, you know, as you as you kind of project it out right now, Coach, with those guys, knowing that Kalel Ware has a versatile game and can step out and hit threes, although it's not yet really proven um, at, at any sort of volume, you know, we kind of know what Malik can do, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of face-up game or, you know, how much he can play away from the basket. Now you've got Mbako. I mean, 
at a minimum, you're going six three, six eight, six nine, seven foot with those four starters, which for whatever that lineup may not be able to do is going to present a whole lot of other problems from a defensive perspective, offensive rebounding. I mean, it's going to look a lot different, but there's going to be a lot of talent out there on the court. So I'm curious how you see kind of those four guys operating together. And then what you think is the ideal fit at two, not necessarily who you would plug in from the current roster, but if you had to, you know, figure out kind of an ideal guy to fit that two slot, what would it look like? Who we got? Uh Oh, did we lose the audience? Someone asked me if we got him and we got him. So we're we're live. (laughs) We're live broadcasting right now. So tell everyone, have them come by, stop by. Couldn't do it up here, brothers. Come on down and see us at the ballpark. All righty. I love on location reporting. Hey, hey, there's a, I got Scott Dolson over here. If he'll come over and talk hey, to us a let's little go. bit, let's bring Scott on. Oh, he might not be able to, he might not be able to comment officially. I don't know. Until he's yeah. Officially. <laughs> he can't talk. He's handing me the signal. He can't talk until, uh, the, until there's some official news, but he, I, I, can I tell you how you look? Can I explain how you can look? Can he give us a thumbs up or thumbs down hey, on the current state of IU basketball? Hey, that's, that's <laughs> can you say something about just the state of Indiana or something he's on great. here? He's great. Everything's great. Hey, there he is, the man himself. Thank you for all you do. Hey, thank you. Thank you for all your support. I know you can't hear Jared. Uh, hey, Jared, Jared, did you have something real quick? Hey, Scott. He just said hello and thanks for all you do. Hey, thank you. Big all right. day. Big, Big day. day. Big day. Big day. Huge day right. for IU. We got all kinds of sports doing well and kicking butts. So yeah, can't, can't, can't say anything official. Can't say anything official until things get uh, signed and, and everything. Um, yep. So I'm going to go back to your question. Length okay. and dudes. Length. length and you're going to put length out there. You're going to put some dudes. You're going to put some a variety of scoring options. Still need a shooter. Yeah. Uh, you still need that guy to come in and hit 35, 40% from three, from the two. I love Trey Galloway. Want him to start, but now you have some, you have some flexibility to bring someone in that might be an off the bench guy. Like you got, okay. let me ask you this. You know, okay, you got so some let, flexibility. Coach, let me play devil's advocate. You just said we need a shooter. Trey shot like 40 yeah. some percent from three point range. So okay, why, isn't, we don't. why isn't he that guy? Well, I think Trey brings a lot of stuff besides shooting. I mean, he's a slasher. He's a defender. He's a coach's kid. He he understands the game, and that's what his strengths are. If he shoots 40, that's great. But you just want to – you really want a knockdown shooter to bring in that, like, people have to pay attention to. Yeah. Like, you know, I go back to Zeisloff when when he was shooting. Like, when he catches, that ball's going up, and it's likely to go in. James Blackman, likely to go in. Now, I don't know if we're going to get that type of player in the portal, obviously – but boy, if you could bring someone in to get 16 to 20 minutes, that's just an absolute threat from three. Now we're talking the roster is really, 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 really good. Yeah, We got athletes. We got dudes that can score in a variety of ways. We need one more outside threat. Maybe that's CJ Gunn. It very well could be. Okay. And um, so let me underline something here because I think it's important because we love Trey and he's going to play 20 plus minutes no matter what. But I think what's important to remember is not just what a guy's percentage is, but kind of what kind of a shooter he is. So Trey shot well on a low volume, but he's got kind of a limited set of situations where he can make shots in. He's not really a guy who's coming off screens, catching it off the move. He's more stationary, catch and shoot. 
And I think ideally you want a guy who can come off screens and take a higher volume of threes because he's comfortable shooting in different situations. That's the difference. So I, I agree with you. If you can find a guy like that and CJ profiles to be that kind of guy, it's just whether he's that as a sophomore or not. Right. But I think, but what the, what McKenzie and Baco's commitment does is even if Indiana doesn't get anybody else, the talent level is now sufficient that you can win and be an NCAA tournament team and compete in the Big Ten with the guys you have, right? Yes. And you know, yes. you've you've now, you know, given yourself an opportunity where whoever is slotted in there at that two slot really doesn't have to be a high volume guy because you've got some other guys who are going to be high volume, you know, in terms of offense. So you give yourself some flexibility and you know that you've got a high floor game in game out. Cause you've just got a lot of talent, even if it doesn't, it might not always fit together perfectly. It's just a lot of talent and athleticism. And honestly, sometimes that's, that's what wins basketball games, you know? So that's, that's why this commitment is so important. Now, I will say, I do think it's important to say uh, and to remind people, even on this night of great jubilation and celebration, um, and we talked about this a little bit last night, is I do think we should pump the brakes just a tad and keep our expectations in check for this young man. Um, Because again, his shot, probably a work in progress, as we talked about. The fact that he can score in multiple ways is going to help him be productive as a freshman, even if his shot is struggling a little bit. But he is still a freshman. And so this is where the leadership and experience of Xavier Johnson is going to be really important. You have to hope Malik Renew really takes another step, uh, you know, as a sophomore. And same with Kalel Ware, so that Mbako isn't brought in and doesn't. It's like this year with Jalen Hutchifino, you saw the the upside, and it was spectacular. I mean, when he was on, like against Purdue, he's one of the best players in the country. And I think a guy like Mbako profiles similarly. There will probably be games this year where you're like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. You know, he's, you know, one of the best players in the country. And then there'll be other games where it's like, wow, where was McKenzie tonight? And that's not a knock on him. It's just being a freshman. And so I think it's, you know, it's always so easy to get kind of worked up and forget about that. But the fact that you have an ex that has been around the block so much and some of these other guys, uh, and even this is where I think a guy like Peyton Sparks is so important because he's been around in the right matchup. He can probably go get you 12, 14 points. And maybe that's a game where Mbako is struggling, but Sparks can come in and do it. And so that's where building all these pieces and the way this is fitting together between talent and then proven experience, I really... I like the approach and I like what they've done in terms of building this roster. There's still one piece that's missing to really, I think, give people a lot of confidence that this is like final four level team. But, you know, Bart Torvik on his website coach has a tool where you can basically add and subtract anybody from a roster. And so I went on there today, the roster as it currently stands or as it stood before today's announcement was 39th overall. Add Mbako, it's 24th. Now that's very much an inexact science on there. But I do think that is instructive in terms of before today, this was a roster that analytically was probably a bubble roster. After today, now you're looking at a potential top 25 team, top four or five in the Big Ten, you know, four or five seed potentially in the NCAA tournament. And I think that is fair to to look at in terms of the expectations. Who we got here? What? That, that's world? my son. He just told me Indiana's up four nothing on Purdue. Hey. I haven't seen a play yet. Okay. Uh, he's giving me score updates because uh, Andrew Brown from the Cuban Center gave me advice on where the best sound would be behind nice. home plate. 
So nice. I, I haven't seen any of the game, but two he's home just, runs, two home runs, Philip Glasser and beating Purdue. So this is a great, uh, great day, day for Indiana sports, man. It's yeah, it's absolutely awesome. A great day. Uh, so anyway, just your thoughts on that kind of from a big picture perspective, what this does for what your expectations are for Indiana this season. Yeah, I, I think this keeps Indiana in the top 25 uh, conversation. You, you said it best with those Bart Torvik numbers. Uh, without without a, an athlete like Mabako, you're really working hard to make the tournament. I think Indiana had a, had a roster that was supposed to make the tournament without Mabako, but now you're a top uh, 25 uh, team, uh, definitely, if not higher. I got a little Lee Butler here right now. Hey, <laughs> how you doing, guy? Lee Butler. Hey, Lee he, was Butler, tell- he was telling everybody to stay calm and cool yesterday. Good to see you. Jared said <laughs> you up, were telling Lee? everyone to be uh, calm and stay cool, stay and cool. then it, it worked out. It so worked you were out. wise, right? Exactly right. So how are you feeling? We got him. I feel exi- exalted, excited, <laughs> fantastic. Very good. Always good to see you, Lee. Man. All righty. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Lee Butler, everybody. That's exciting down here in Bloomington right that now. That's awesome. You're running into everybody. Yeah, it's, like it's a, awesome it's like a time. community meetup at the baseball game. <laughs> I, you know, I can't have Schwartz golf in Bahamas get you know one up on me. I I got to try to try to do a little better. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, you know, it's I think the the way this recruitment went down is really interesting. Um, and we certainly don't have the full story here. Um, you know, but we certainly you know have built relationships where we kind of talk to people and. Uh, you know, hear some things. And, you know, I, I think, number one, I think the way that he and his family handled this kind of goes along with what Rob told us about being all about business. You know, this wasn't a recruitment that he was really kind of at every turn trying to hype up. They were very serious about it, you know, kind of kept it, uh, you know, quiet in certain ways. And I respect that, um, you know, in terms of the way that they did that. Let's bring Ryan Phillips in here. Uh, Yo. Ryan, do you have a reaction to Mackenzie Mbako's quote that he was blown away by Indiana's facilities and that was the deciding factor in choosing <laughs> Indiana? I don't know how. I, well, I believe his exact words were, I'm not playing at that dump Allen Fieldhouse. I'm going to Assembly Hall. Do you have I a reaction? I would question whether or not he needed glasses and contacts or something along those. Maybe LASIK. To be clear, um, those are made-up quotes I know. referencing what we <laughs> talked about last night. But for anybody who wasn't here last night, those are making that up. <laughs> uh, just a big day, man. You know, I'll say this. Uh, credit to Mike Woodson and his staff. They are fantastic at short recruitments. If uh, if the whole <laughs> recruiting cycle was a month, they'd get everybody. I mean, it would just they, they'd be turning people away at the doors. Um, but just a huge pickup. And, and I think, you know, since the season ended, we've talked about there's kind of a talent gulf on this team compared to last year's team. And and hopefully what you'll see in the future is they're after a bunch of extremely talented guys in 24 and 25. But but this 23-24 team, big talent golf. And there's a lot of players we like, like Gabe Cups, we love. Ja'Kai Newton, we love. Uh, you know, uh, CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, guys we love, but they're not national title, you know, level talent guys that you need on the roster. And, not from and day great, one. Not from exactly. That's what yeah. I mean. For next year is what I right. mean. And and you know what? Indiana hadn't had a McDonald's All American since Trace Jackson Davis. Jalen Hutchifino shockingly was not one last year. And they've got two rocked. this this offseason. Uh with with Kyle Ware and adding Kenzie uh, Mackenzie Mbako. That's just 
you need to have talent in your program. I mean, you, you love to have good basketball players who who know how to play the game. And Gabe Cups is a perfect example of that. A savvy guy who knows basketball, maybe doesn't have the highest ceiling in the world, but can come in and do all the right things right away. But you watch the NCAA tournament and you look at, oh, that's an NBA guy and his team is winning. UConn is a perfect example. They played in the national championship game in the final against San Diego State, a team that was very hard to play against defensively. And every time that game got close, one of their NBA guys stepped up and made a shot. And and you just have to, and it wasn't even a good shot because the defense was good, but they can just do other, do things that regular guys can't. And Kizubako is an NBA player. He is an NBA player probably after next year. I mean, it, it all goes well. Uh, for him and Kalel Ware, if he figures it out and puts it all together, is an NBA player and and was projected to be an NBA player after this year, but he just didn't work out at Oregon. So when you add those types of players to the program, you raise the ceiling so exponentially, and then those other guys who we really like get to be the role players that they're supposed to be at the college level, especially early on, and so just. Over the last few weeks, we said from the beginning, they needed another big guy. They needed some scoring off the wing. I said they needed another ball handler. Who knows if that actually happens? But they definitely need a wing scoring and another big guy to help out Malik Renew. And they didn't have any wing, you know, a wing that you could rely on to go get points. They filled both those roles. Pretty shockingly to a lot of people, they filled both of those roles with young guys. Not veterans who are transferring in, who are good elsewhere, or or you know okay elsewhere, and looking to step up. So it's just a huge development for Indiana. It really is. Baco's game is so great. I mean, he's he's really fun to watch. He can shoot the ball from deep. He can kind of score it from anywhere. He doesn't have like a lightning quick first step, but at his size, he doesn't need one to get to the hoop. He's a really good offensive rebounder. He's a good defensive rebounder. Just, I mean, he's a lot of stuff. He's going to need some work defensively. I mean, as as most guys who are high volume scorers out of high school need help defensively, uh, but a really great pickup for Indiana and fits exactly what they needed. They needed some height and three point shooting for sure, and scoring off the wing. Coach, is that who I think it is? That's Josh Brewer of the Hoosier Ticket Project. That is who I think it is. So Hoosiers. <laughs> so we're all feeling good. Got some uh, little leaguer some tickets today for the IU Purdue baseball game. Doing a good job as usual. Very nice, uh, and, and a very happy Hoosier. Appreciate your support, Assembly Call. Thank you, HoosierTicketProject.org. We love you guys. Peace. <laughs> Coaches just getting live interviews from everybody out there. Um, all right, Ryan. Let me ask you this. Sure. What do we know now about Mike Woodson as a recruiter? And which of kind of the narratives that have been discussed do you think need to be put away? And which ones do you think are still fair questions to ask? So I will say, I think that the way this goes in shorter recruitments uh, tends to play towards his strengths, which Woodson isn't as active for the length of a recruitment as most coaches are. We've kind of seen that. A guy like Matt Painter gets involved with the guys he wants early and often. Woodson kind of views himself as a closer. Some kids don't like that. They want the attention of the head coach the whole time. Now, that hasn't always been the case with every recruit, but it seemed that's been the trend. And in these shorter recruitments, that doesn't play out over a long period of time, like two years or a year and a half, where the kids are usually, okay, I talk to the staff, I meet with the staff, I come to campus, and the coach is there pretty much the whole time of the recruitment. And that has worked. And when he's involved, it's worked. The longer tier recruitments, 
it doesn't seem like it's worked because I think he's involved a little less. Now, first of all, we have to give tons of credit to yeah, Roseman uh, and 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 Kenya Hunter for the and work. Adam they do. Howard Adam played Howard. a huge role in this one. Uh, Walsh as well. Like all these guys yeah. are, they do incredible work because their coach isn't as active. Now, again, Mike Woodson is still. I mean, this will be his third season, but he's still getting used to the, how you know the dance of recruiting works. So, but we have seen in these year-long recruitments, that's kind of been a thing is he hasn't been as involved as some other coaches that live and die with recruiting, that embrace recruiting to the point where it's they realize it's 50% of their job pretty much. Some guys don't like it. Some guys aren't as advanced. But on these shorter recruitments where he's been involved for a larger period of time, you know, it's a shorter time period, but a larger percentage of the time he's involved, he's done really well, which means that he's probably a really good closer, which means these kids probably really like him. And which means he probably connects really well with the families and the people around the 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 uh, the recruit, like you know their their families and and coaches and whoever else is around them. So he does really well. And so you kind of just said like, well, if he got more involved for the length of the recruitment, it might work better. And maybe that'll start to happen. I you know we don't know, but it has kind of been that's the thing you're hearing is that he kind of views himself as a closer. He lets everybody else do all the work, and then the kid comes on campus, and it's it's Mike Woodson time. But those relationships need to be built from the beginning. They just do these days in recruiting. You have to uh, because everybody's competing for the same guys, and the effort you show from the top has a lot to do with who picks what. Now, some kids are going to pick Indiana because they want to pick Indiana, but if it's even... Uh, the top of the staff being really involved means a lot to these kids and to their parents, which is a big factor. And look, that's really going to matter on some important recruitments coming up. We've talked about how Indiana missed on some guys in the 2023 class and also just kind of deprioritized it because I I think they weren't sold on some of the other guys decide to go into the transfer portal. Now their 2023 class is going to end up looking pretty good because you add Mbako to Cubs and Newton. So the ranking is going to be pretty good. And this is now, Ryan, the third straight year that Mike Woodson has pulled a high school recruit who decommitted elsewhere to Indiana. And I know when it first happened, I know when it first happened, it's like, okay, you know, stumbled ass backwards into this. It's not going to happen again. But the thing is, and we talked about this when Indiana hired Mike Woodson is, look, he's going to have to learn about recruiting and some of that. But also, it is possible that a different formula is going to start working for recruiting. You know, the NBA connections, the ability to now bring in agents. Like, agents don't have to be the boogeyman anymore. Like, they're part of all this. You know, and Mike Woodson with his connections at CAA. And also, there are just going to be more short recruitments because a lot of recruitments now are transfer portals or they're guys like Mbako, uh, you know, and obviously like Renew and like Tamar Bates who, whether it's because of a coaching change or a transfer bring brought in or a guy returning who they thought was going to go pro, there's a lot of guys who are changing their mind. Can and we so, send Kyle Filipowski a fruit basket or yeah, something? Yeah, really. From the assembly call? So, so I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, I agree with you. I, th- I think that is a fair assessment of his recruiting ability. And we need to see results in 24 and 25. And they've laid a lot of groundwork there with guys to where I feel yes. good about it. But I don't think like what you just described isn't as much of a negative as it would have been five years ago because the landscape has just changed. And there are a lot more shorter recruitments like that that Indiana is going to be able to get involved with. And so far, they've done it and they have a pretty good track record of doing it. So it's impressive. It really is. And and I'll say I I do think that the shorter recruitments and this is this is, you know, 
I do think the shorter recruitments can be a little easier because you can just go all out all the time. Whereas those long recruitments are a slog with so many, you know, ebbs and flows and, you know, having to visit so many times to like go to high school games and go to AAU games and all that. So those are really tough. I mean, a long recruitment for a top player and everybody's there. Whereas with a short recruitment, you know, it's only the teams that can fit the players on their roster, first of all. Second of all, you can just go full speed as yeah. opposed to sort of having to drag it out and, and and pace it out. So I do think that that Indians had an advantage in those situations where they've had roster spots open and they've been able to just dive in full bore. And that's really helped with those three big recruitments. And they've just the timing has just worked out so perfectly. I mean, the fact that Ledlam <laughs> went elsewhere, who probably takes that spot, quite frankly. I mean, they would have taken Ibaka regardless, but it there's no there's there's nobody blocking his path now because Ledlam goes elsewhere and then it's just, you know, a straight opening right to the front. It just worked out perfectly for Indiana. So so things are rolling in their direction with these recruits uh, recruitments and really have. All right, we're about to bring in another special guest here to get his insight. Coach, let me ask you a quick question real quick. Now, kind of looking at it in hindsight, would you have preferred to have Ledlam with his proven college production or Mbako, who hasn't done anything in college yet, but is clearly the more talented guy? Who would you have rather had for this season? Mbako, bring bring me the dudes. Uh, And Ledlam was a dude too, but uh, bring me Mbako. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, and – Good, good times. Uh, the roster's getting better. Woodson's doing a good job. It's a good time for Indiana. Everyone down here walking by, giving thumbs up or stopping by to say hello. Uh, I got to check out. My phone's down to about 18%. Do I'm going to go watch I'm gonna go watch a little baseball and, and root on the Hoosiers over the Boilermakers. Uh, but uh, just a great, uh, great day for the Indiana Hoosiers uh, and a lot, of, a lot of juice here at Bart Kaufman Stadium. We expect videos to be sent tonight when you're on your porch shouting Mbako at the top of your lungs. Mbako! <laughs> Mbako! I'm getting hey, th- ready. I'm practicing. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Coach. Appreciate you being All here. All right. Man. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in the great Tony Adranya, who is coming back from dinner, interrupting a night out to come here and celebrate with us on uh, Mackenzie Mbako night here. Uh, he's in the car, but he's not driving, so that's good. He can be focused on his analysis. That was my first question. Yeah. It was right there. <laughs> Tony, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm hands-free. Yeah, I'm not driving. Uh, got my designated driver, not for drinking purposes, but for purposes of getting on the podcast. <laughs> podcast na- analysis purposes. Analysis. Yeah. Um, all right, so you know, we talked with Coach a little bit just about the fit. So how are you now viewing Mackenzie Mbako? We talked with Rob Cassidy of Rivals a little bit earlier, and he talked about how, you know, from an offensive perspective right now, you know, the shot still needs to come around, but Mbako really has some different ways that he can score. Probably profiles a little bit more as a four right now, but can play the three, and given the roster Indiana has, probably will play the three. How do you see all that kind of working together? Yeah, it's a weird – it's a little bit of a weird fit, you know, with obviously Ware and Renew and then uh, McKenzie slotting in at three, but it's long. I mean, you know, defensively, yeah. you're going to have a lot of opportunities uh, to, to do some good stuff. And then, you know, offensively, um, I'm not as – I'm not as low. I don't know if low is the right word. I, I heard Rob just for a bit talking about, you know, shot still needs to come around. Like, you know, I, I think his shot is, is really, really good. I'd be – surprised if um you know he's sub 33 percent outside shooter um you know i'm 
I'm really intrigued by just the ways he puts the ball in the bucket. And I mean, that's got, that's exactly what Indiana needed, um, you know, to slot in one of those wing positions. So I think his natural position in the college game makes a lot of sense at the four, um, you know, quote unquote, or whatever that means these days, you know, it's all kind of gone to positionless basketball anyway. Um, but, you know, he, he's versatile. He moves well laterally. He can put the ball on the deck, um, you know, on, on my Twitter threads of kind of what he can do. You know, I showcase that he can he can take the ball in transition, go coast to coast. Um, you know, he can take somebody off the dribble. So, you know, I, I think four would make some sense naturally, like if, if Indiana had that four spot open. But by no means do I think McKenzie Mbako at the three um, is a bad fit, I guess, is, if that makes any sense. Yeah. By the way, is that uh, class of 2037 Indiana Hoosier back there in the back seat that we keep? It hearing? is. Yeah. Giovanni Andrania, class of 2037. Right. Don't forget. <laughs> Let, hey, Ryan, let's talk about the shot for We're just a second. We're talking Stegosaurus. What'd you say, Tony? Oh, he's cutting out. Yeah, Tony, you're cutting out. You may need to turn the video off. That might get uh, a little bit better reception. Let's talk about the shot a little bit. I think this is going to be an important topic that we'll probably come back to, Ryan, because, you know, when I first, you know, kind of looked up video of McKenzie and Baco and looked up scouting reports, people talked about the shot. You look at it. It looks really good. Like, I feel like the release is like a quarter second slow and it's a little low, but he's got height, so that's going to help him. The thing is, I think right now the shot looks better than the results. Like I said, Nike EYBL, he shot 25%, 68% from the free throw line. Those are not real good numbers. Um, and I don't, you don't typically see guys go way over those numbers when they step onto college because they're adjusting to the speed and all of that stuff. So personally, I'm keeping my expectations a little bit lower for what he can do as a shooter. I'm excited listening to Rob and reading some other scouting reports that talk about his more versatile offensive game. Yeah. So I think he actually will have more ways to score than what I originally thought. But give me your thoughts on just what you're expecting from him as a shooter specifically. Because we just saw with CJ Gunn, a guy who was a really good shooter in high school who yeah. struggled to hit the broadside of a barn as a freshman. Yeah, look, I'll say this about Baco. I think that he... Um, first of all, he's played better competition than CJ yeah. Gunn has. And I think that's Yeah, and I don't mean that as a comparison his, of those. Right. Two no, I'm just I just, different. you know, for anybody worried about that, I think he's played better competition, so I think his transition is going to be a little easier as far as that goes. His shot is incredibly soft. I mean, it, it is very soft. He's got great touch. Uh, the release is fine for me. You're right. It is slow. That's the first thing I noticed. It takes him a while. He kind of has to get into it. He's not one of those guys catch, boom, shoot. He yeah. kind of has to set himself and go. But being six eight, it's not as much of an emergency as if he was six two because he's got more, you know, he's going to be bigger than the guys guarding him for the most part. Um, what I like about it is his follow through. He gets good rotation on the ball. You're right. He's going to need to up that high twenties into a mid thirties to be as effective as he can be at the next level. I think he can do it. Uh, I think it's just going to take repetition and practice just like anybody developing their shot. But I do think I agree with you. I think the shots better than the, results and and anybody looking strictly at results you have to understand the scenarios a lot of times guys are playing with players they don't usually play with they're playing against players they're not used to you know i mean it's it's they're just kind of thrown into these games and kind of don't have comfort zones yet in the in and that's kind of why they have that circuit is to see how these guys play 
in uncomfortable situations. And a lot of times they're forcing shots to try and show off for scouts and, and all of that stuff. So I wouldn't put too much stock in it. Uh, but I think that he does have the makings of what could be a really good deep shot. But you're right. The other thing is he has a versatile game. I mean, his offensive rebounding skills yeah. really excite me because I think he's a great, uh, you know, from what I've seen, he's great at putting the ball back. He's great at finding the ball. And then he's really good, you know, getting into the lane and and he likes to kind of get into that mid key, uh, high post area and, and, and finish from there as well. He'll, he'll shoot a turnaround. Like, I mean, he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a versatile offensive game. The shot has to come along. Certainly if he's going to be relied upon as, as the best player on team and talent wise, he's going to be the best player on Indiana's team. And I don't think it's very close. I think Kalel Ware is extremely talented, but he hasn't mined that talent yet. You know, he just hasn't shown that he it's can. It's nice take to that. be able to have a good debate about that with yeah. two McDonald's All Americans. But, but you know, <laughs> Ware might be the most talented player, but he hasn't shown. And you know, he's out of year in college, and, and Baco hasn't. So you know, maybe people are down a little bit on that because he did step on the court, didn't you know play to his level yet? That doesn't mean he can't, but it, it just hasn't happened yet. But I think that both of those guys, it's just about translating that immense talent to the floor, which. You never know if it's going to happen or not. I mean, it's it's all about fit and situation and coaching staff and these guys' desire to be better. Uh, but those, you know, you've picked up. It's interesting that you picked up two young guys, and they're easily your most talented players. And we were going into the season saying in next year, saying you know Xavier Johnson probably uh, maybe the best player on the team or Malik Renew. It's one of those two uh, for best player on the team or most impactful player on the team. Now you got two other guys who could easily take that title. You know, if they develop the way they're supposed to. Right now, I would put the odds on to Mbako because I think the way he affects a college game uh, gives him more of an advantage to be that guy scoring from the wing, which has become incredibly important in college basketball. Um, but, you know, I, you've got so much more talent on this team heading into next year, especially with X coming back, too. That's the other, that's the other factor. I mean, that's, that's like another adding another recruit or a transfer because you weren't sure you were going to have him. So, well, and, and not to mention, and Tony, let's talk about this. You know, you're relying on Mackenzie Mbako, Kalel Ware, and Malik Renew to do a lot of heavy lifting. For heavy you. lifting. Points, rebounds, rim protection. Like those guys are going to be counted on for a lot. And that's two sophomores, both of whom were really up and down and struggled to stay on the court, and a freshman who hasn't done anything yet. And that's where Xavier Johnson's importance is huge. He's a sixth year senior who, you know, he's got to stay composed, be the leader out there, get guys in the right spots. It really feels like a season where he's going to have to read the game and figure out who has the hot hand. Is this a night I need to go for 20 or for four, you know, because McKenzie's making and Kalel's going. Um, so, I, you know, to me, I think those three guys are the most talented players. But if this Indiana team is going to be what we think it can be, X needs to be the MVP because he's got to be the guy night in, night out that is kind of you know, dictating things um, and being the engine. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts, Tony, on that. And then also, you know, just I know we can't probably get into too many specifics, but just how do you envision this offense playing, knowing that you're going to have those four guys out there, the possibilities of pick and rolls with, you know, with Khalil Ware and then, you know, Mackenzie and Baco over. The, I mean, there's you start breaking it down with the talent. And again, there's going to be some inconsistencies because these guys are young. But you start breaking down the talent and the length and what these guys can do with an experienced point guard, man, the options offensively really start to get you excited, especially if you can, you know, if that fifth guy is a shooter. Yeah, uh, you know, for 
for the first part of that, I totally agree. You know, X has to be, you know, to not be silly about it, but it has to be the X factor, you know, for the team. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting what he can bring to the table because it truly does. When you sit out and you see the game from a different perspective, and he's talked about how he's never really had an injury where he's had to just like see the game from that, you know, that first seat or second seat on the bench, you know, it does change your view. Like I, I wish I could go back now <laughs> knowing what I know as a coach and like implement some of the things that I, I've learned coaching um, back in my playing days, because it, it truly is different and you just see the game in a different light. It opens your eyes to a bit. So I, I think that that is really going to be beneficial to what X can bring to Indiana's team this season. And I, I don't think, you can really understate how important that is. Um, you know, in terms of what they can do offensively, it's exciting because there's playmakers. And and that's really what Indiana has lacked. You know, you've had the Huchifino and, uh, you know, uh, Xavier Johnson a little bit, obviously last season together. But, you know, Trey Jackson Davis isn't somebody that's going to go make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, for as good as he was, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's one of the best players in college basketball. Indiana was extremely fortunate to, to have him, but to have guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands, um, that's what's exciting. And, and you know, I, I envision like a lot of horns actions, which is yeah. two, you know, two bigs, if you will, um, in the slots. Um, you know, there's there's a lot they can do. And then, you know, Mike Woodson proved, he showed he likes to run a lot of zoom action, which is like a guy coming from the corner off of a dribble handoff and a down screen. Um, you know, Mbako can, can do a lot, like he can be any of the three guys that are like involved in a zoom action. And so his versatility is really exciting for Indiana. And, um, you know, I'm just super excited that, you know, we don't have to root against him on December, what is it? 17th or 9th or whatever the date is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got another special guest, the great Rick Bozich, uh, always looking for a distraction from White Sox baseball. (laughs) And so ready to talk some basketball. (laughs) which I'm right here with you. Um, Rick, thanks for joining us. Uh, and great hat, by the way. I appreciate that yeah. hat very much. Thank you. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, I mean, we always love getting your perspective, but I know that you've seen McKenzie and Baco play in person close up. Can you give us kind of your scouting report on, you know, what you've seen from McKenzie in person? Yeah. It's Jared, like, and, and hi, Tony and, um, and Ryan. Um, like I told you in text today, I describe him as a warrior. Um, yeah, I went up I love to Westfield that. last year when the EYBL event was in Westfield. I went up there, obviously, to do a story on DJ Wagner because Kentucky and Louisville were hev- heavily involved in recruiting him. And I noticed, and they had Aaron Bradshaw, who was seven foot. You noticed him. But I noticed this other kid. It's like blocking shots and like driving with authority to the rim and playing defense in EYBL. And it's like, who's that dude? Why isn't Louisville recruiting that dude? And somebody said, he's already, he's already committed to Duke or he's going to Duke or something. I think I asked Purvis Ellison. That's who it was who actually runs the, uh, New Jersey scholars, AAU program. And then I watched him some more and it was like, and his mom, uh, is real colorful, outspoken person. She's underneath the basket, like cheering real loud. And I talked to her for a while and she was fun to talk to. So, he caught my eye that day. And then the EYBL came back to Louisville in May and I watched him again. And I was standing there with a couple of other people and they agree with me. And it's like, DJ Wagner's really good. And Aaron Bradshaw is okay. But this other guy, I mean, he's, 
he he can do it all. I mean, he rebounds, he plays hard. Um, and you know, when he played in Portland on that weekend right before he decommitted from Duke, wasn't he the leading scorer in the game? I mean, I and so. the thing that impressed me though wasn't just scoring. Uh, it was he did the other things. And and if you watch summertime basketball, playing defense and rebounding isn't always a priority. It's always like on to the next possession and let me show you how I can make a step back three or put the ball between my legs and impress you. And he wasn't doing that stuff. So what do you, I mean, look, obviously we know freshmen come in highly touted a lot of times, but it doesn't always translate as freshmen. Right. And we're kind of in this era now where it's hard to look beyond a year because a guy this talented could struggle, but still go to the NBA or he could transfer. Like there's, you know, a lot of, so you don't want to look too far down the road. What do you think this guy can do as a freshman in Bloomington based on, what you know, I mean, I, I, I don't see him like being like some first team all Big Ten player or anything like that, but I see him being a guy who will start, I think, by you know, by the time they get around to Big Ten season, um, and be a you know, eight to ten point per game guy. Um, and with him and Banks, um, I, Banks isn't going to give up his spot; he's going to fight for it, and I'm sure he thinks that he's going to start. And that's what you want on a good team. You want those dudes to to drive each other, to work harder, to earn their minutes. Uh, and that's going to happen now. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I, he's got the ability. I mean, since Duke, let, let's be honest, Duke gets the cream of the crop. Duke wanted him. He was one of their first commitments in this class that Shire put together. Uh, and he's a five-star dude. I mean, he's got all the natural ability that you need. It's going to be a matter of how he adjusts to Woodson's offense and how he develops in college, you know, going against – other guys who are really talented night in and, and night out. And yeah. we all know in the Big Ten, you know, freshmen aren't as physically mature as the guys they go against. So he's going to have to get stronger. But he's got enough of, a, a, of an edge to his game that he's not going to be a guy who's going to get pushed around. Do you have any – last question for you, Rick. Do you have any – I think what's been interesting about this recruitment is not just the player, but how the recruitment happened. Um, And there was like a 48 hour period there where everybody assumed he was going to Louisville and then he cancels the Louisville visit. Like, do you have any insight on, you know, kind of how this all came about? I mean, they kept things so quiet. It was hard to get anything reliable. It felt like. Yeah. I mean, when it first happened, I thought it was going to be Louisville or the G league. And then there were some Carolina rumors, and then all of a sudden, it, it, when, when Indiana got involved, I was shocked in the first place. The only thing I've heard, and it's secondhand from somebody, is that um, the NIL um, piece of it was not something that Louisville uh, was prepared to to do. Um, wow. You know, so I don't I don't know. That's just what I've heard secondhand from somebody that they and I and. I'm not saying that Kenny Payne is anti NIL, but he has said publicly that he wants you to come um, to Louisville because you want to come to Louisville and you want to compete and you want to be really good. And when you're there, you'll maximize your NIL. But he, I, I think he's been on record as he doesn't want NIL to be the reason you're coming to Louisville, which is a lot of coaches feel that way, but a lot of players don't feel that way. Hmm. That is true. Well, it'll be interesting if uh, if Indiana has a possible matchup with Louisville in the Empire Classic. We will yeah. see. Uh, we will see what happens. Any any final thoughts on what is definitely a, a triumphant day for Indiana and Mike Woodson on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I mean, it's a reminder for people to be patient because when 
<laughs> you know, when Woodson didn't go out those two weekends of evaluation because he got his knee surgery, people were ripping him and saying, he can't close. He can't get a, re- you know, can't recruit and all this stuff. And this is what the third five star he's got in what, 26 months. Yep. Uh, so w- once he gets, it seems like it's a bit of an oversimplification, but once he gets guys on campus and he's really in the final group, I think he's a pretty powerful um Closer is the word they use, but just a, a pretty uh, powerful uh, voice of reason. People can talk to him, and I think his sincerity comes across, and I think his experience as an NBA coach, and him saying, you know, the guys. And this year, you know, what he's what he's done for TJD and Jalen Hood Shafino has got to be a huge uh, selling point. Uh, saying, you know, I coach these, talk to these two kids, tell them what I did for them, uh, and it seems like Hood Shafino has been very on board with, with helping yeah. Indiana in recruiting, which is what you want. It that's sounds how, like that's how Calipari's done it at Kentucky. I mean, Wall and Cousins and Bledsoe led to Brandon Knight, which led to, you know, um Julius Randall and the Harrison twins, and that led to Devin Booker and Carl yeah. Anthony Towns and Shea Gilgis Alexander and on and on and on. That's that's what you have to do. And there were lots of stories about Jalen talking to McKenzie and, you know, Khalil Ware and, you know, current and former players getting in there. And Mike Woodson, one thing I just saw a story from uh, Jeff Borzello, uh, who quote saying Mbako spoke with Carmelo Anthony, who played for Indiana coach Mike Woodson while with the New York Knicks. He said Anthony told him Woodson is a genuine guy, but on the court he will push you. Yeah. You know, we That's that was always need. part of the formula is, you know, can these connections from Mike Woodson help make a difference? And it seems like in this case they did. Yeah. That's what you need. So all right, Rick, happy to thank help. you. Thank Thanks, you, Rick. Go White Sox. I'll listen to the whole podcast tomorrow morning, so do a good job. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for being here. Just for you, buddy. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> We're only thirteen and twenty six. <laughs> yeah. Lost Just three terrible. out of four to the Royals. I'm gonna stop now before I Mom. Yeah, start crying. Yeah, this, this is a happy day. We don't we don't need to talk baseball. This is this is good times here. Thanks, Bye, Ray. Guys. Bye. By the way, I mean just a Ryan Phillips level name drop there when he talked about never Ellison. nervous was- Purvis Ellison <laughs> making an experience on the assembly call. That was, wow, that That's was a great. Throwback man, that was great. Guys, All right. guys is number retired by Louisville, number one pick in the NBA draft, and Rick was just hanging out, chopping it up with him. That's so that's, that's why you get Rick Bozitz on the podcast. That me. is why you get. I know you guys have to go. I have to go soon, too. I got to get some kids some dinner and get in bed. We're obviously going to have a whole offseason to talk about this, so we don't need to necessarily explain everything here. The last angle I want to talk about, though, for as much as you guys want to talk about it, is just how this came about and how it happened. Because I think, you know, the three of us, you know, we're sending messages to each other in different formats, you know, today, not all together individually. But I think it's really interesting over the last 48 hours how it kind of went from, you know, I feel like Kansas is probably leading to today, where really over the the few hours leading up to it, we were all kind of like, I think I'm kind of optimistic about this. Like all the signs were kind of pointing. And it's one of those things, Tony, where it's like, okay, you tell me someone is following someone else on Instagram, like one instance of that, it's not going to pique my interest. But when you have a guy following like half of a roster, them following him back, and the other team that he's supposedly considering, there's none of that. 
and then some other stuff starts to happen, you kind of start to add up all these little things where it's like, man, a lot of the like stuff that's happening right Red now kind of feels like it's pointing towards Indiana and all the confidence from Kansas feels like it was 10 days ago. So in a lot of ways, this was like the Ledlam effect for Indiana in reverse. Um, but I just, I really found the way that this whole thing unfolded to be really, really interesting. Um, so just kind of curious to get your thoughts on that. Absolutely. You know, each... To me, like each follow or each tidbit is a data point, right? And when you start putting all of those data points together, you know, the, the scales start tipping. And, yeah. you know, I think, like you mentioned, we had been speaking in a couple of different formats. And yesterday I said I was a three in level of confidence. Um, and by the, by like four o'clock today, I was texting people like I'm 70, 30 IU. And like nothing of substance came out. You know, yeah. there wasn't a report that was like, all right, um, you know, he's leaning this way or, you know, it was like, uh, you know, his mom started following Mike Woodson's son on Twitter and, <laughs> and uh, Mark Cuban and he followed each other back. And like, you know, it's, it's something that people always kind of brush off as silly when it comes to social media. But as you mentioned, when it starts compounding itself, it's like, you know, there might be something here. And, you know, props to the Mbako camp on just being absolutely tight-lipped. I mean, until the tweet came through, um, you know, I, I had tweet notifications on for like six different guys. I usually don't ever have them on like, because it's just, you know, this season it just pours through. But I'm like, anybody that might have this, I'm going to turn the tweet notifications on. Um, and I think I think I got uh, Tipton's first for some reason out before Slater's. Um, but uh, – well, yeah, you are you know, Trilly just... Donovan, so I mean, you have to stay. <laughs> you have to stay up to date. <laughs> I am. You know, you, you crack the code. Now I gotta. Now I gotta make a new. We're breaking burn. news here. <laughs> Seriously, Tony, how'd you let that one get out? That was our secret, man. Uh, but it, it honestly has been fascinating because, as you mentioned, you know, everybody's kind of optimism started kind of, you know, being out there a little bit, you know, and when you look at the boards and different forums that, that people speak on and, but there, like I mentioned, there wasn't like anything like concrete from somebody that's super credible in the space. It's like, here's what's happening. He's coming, you know, it was just like little breadcrumbs, little tidbits here and there, you know, f little followings on social media. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy that it, it kind of was the reverse effect of, of Ledlam here where, you know, Kansas was very confident. I, you know, I had had a guy hop in my DMs that I hadn't talked to in like seven years. Uh, you know, like, hey, I just want to let you know he's coming to Kansas. You know, so you just uh, don't he, get your hopes. Very, it's not just that Kansas fans were confident; they were like belligerently confident. It was over. It was cocky. Really yeah. weird. It was cocky. No, I, I mean, there's a lot of positive vibes on his visit. I think that was the big thing. And, and oh, a guy had a good official visit. Oh, well, I mean, to the point where you know there there were there were whispers that he had. Not necessarily committed, but same like with Ledlam, yeah. Same as with Ledlam, right. yeah. He so clearly like, indicated yeah, something, that. yeah. Yes. Um, so one other thing ahead. I want to say here, Ryan, and then transition to you. I know you know the Mark Cuban story came out earlier that like okay, Mbako followed him, and then Cuban followed him back. I think people immediately jumped to assuming that Mark Cuban was now the John Ruiz, the guy from Miami. I until. Uh, we hear otherwise, I would really caution people against assuming that. I just don't think that's... From what I know, from what I've heard, that's all I can say. I don't think Mark Cuban wants to get involved in IU basketball that way. So I just... I would not... They're both repped by CAA, though. 
So similar... there's a lot of other reasons why that could happen. I just I would caution people against assuming that Cuban came in and wrote a check, and that's why this happened. Yeah, it's, I would it say reminds... more conversation probably right, like what Carmelo had with them. Like they well, and it's not Cuban bad to it. have that guy as an acquaintance or or someone you're yeah. connected to, especially because he can probably introduce you to everybody. It's maybe it's not about the check; it's about the connections. But I this it, it gave me the same vibes as the day that uh, Kelvin Sampson resigned and they negotiated a buyout. I remember being in that press room for like nine hours as they worked that deal out. And all of a sudden it changed and it was over. And everybody assumed that Mark Cuban had just written a check. And it was like, there's no evidence of that. Like none yeah. of that. But everybody just assumed uh, Cuban, a donor, because the, the vibe was a donor had written it, had finally been convinced to write a check to make him go away. And everyone just assumed it was Cuban. And there's no evidence of that. There's none whatsoever. Now, maybe it was, but. Nothing has ever come out to confirm. There's that. no evidence and that he's ever done something no. like that. Obviously, he you know he donated to the, the Cuban Center, the Cuban Center. Yeah, right. Ac- something academic, and he's very proud of that. He's still very proud. Of it. He'll tell people behind the scenes. It's one of the things he's most proud of is is donating to Indiana in that way. But I will say this about the recruitment. You guys were talking about sort of the vibes, and three days ago, I was told, you know, it's a ten percent. He goes to Indiana. It's Kansas has this on lock. They put guys in the NBA. They what was the nature great- of that source? I'm curious. Was that someone close to Kansas national? It was an Indiana source. Okay. Interesting. Um, who, who believed, you know, who believed he, Indiana did everything they could, but just that the vibe was, you know, and he was hearing from other people. It wasn't like he yeah. was talking to the family, but he was hearing from other people. Yeah. The, these are just people who know things about college sports and, and college basketball. And just saying, you know, it's, he's going to Kansas and we did everything we could, you know, you hat tip to them. They beat us. Um, but then I would say two days ago, it started to shift. And yeah. before we went on the air last night, I talked to probably who is my best source within Indiana basketball. I said, where's he going? Do you have any vibes? He's like, nobody has any idea what is going on yeah. with him. like, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> like, you know, usually he'll give me a 60, 40 or something. He's like, I have I nothing. I could tell you 95, five or 50, 50. Like I, I just, I have no idea. And he was kind of flustered by it. And, you know, just like I have not, I, not, not even an indication. And yeah. Baco did talk to both coaching staffs yesterday. And everybody assumed he talked to them yesterday and give them an answer. Apparently that did not happen. It was, you know, just a check-in kind of in a final pitch. Um, and then today, again, I talked to people and everyone was like, we're waiting for the announcement just like you. We have no idea. Um, but again, the vibe was Indiana did everything it could to put the best foot forward. You're right. Other people from outside the program and by outside, I mean, not the teammates, not the coaches, Jalen, you know, Carmelo, Anthony, Cuban people, you know, those indications were all positive for Indiana. It started to build a wave. I would say about 9am this morning, Yeah, there started to build sort of a wave <laughs> towards Indiana. And then Ken Nunn followed him about an hour and a half before his, uh, and I was like, we're done. We got him. Was that real? That is true. Actually. <laughs> somebody it really? said that. Yeah, somebody it's so said, funny. That was the closer right there. No, you're right though. Like, but things really did change today because Tony. This morning. I woke you know, up I was this morning and in a Discord so that Tony and I are in. I was like, hey, because originally I wasn't gonna like you know create the little Streamyard studio for the for the emergency pod because it, it really did. It felt kind of like you know fifty fifty ish, and I'm like, hey, you know, should I do this? And everybody's like, no, 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 you know, don't do it, don't jinx it. And then about two hours prior, I started feeling a lot better. So I, I put it up anyway because I wanted to get prepped for it, <laughs> which I can say now because I didn't jinx it. But it is, it's just, it's a, it was a really unique recruitment in that way. I give him and the family a lot of credit for keeping it close and not 
letting stuff get out. Whoever else was close and knew stuff, you know, like Andrew Slater probably, you know, didn't put stuff out there. And I know someone in the chat said Ryan Source isn't good. I don't think it was a case of Ryan Source not being good. I think a lot of people just didn't know. Who they didn't know, guys. I talked to everybody yeah. I know within the athletic, people who give things away, like, you know, because people want, that's the thing about sources. They want to tell people what they know. Like everybody <laughs> wants to be like, hey, guess what I know? They just ask you to keep it quiet. And these are people who know and who really, really know. And I, I don't have, I don't claim to be a hardcore insider. I don't have, you know, I don't talk to like Scott Dolson or any, you know, anybody like that. But these are people who know what's going on. Nobody had any idea. Nobody. I don't even think that I, I would bet the coaches didn't know until just before that. That would be my bet. And I would bet he had two or they or they may have known something maybe last night, but weren't going to say anything because the family didn't want it to get out. I, there. That, That's that the part other is explanation. True. That part is yeah. true. That could be true. But I think we would have gotten a leak from the side that was losing. If that that usually happens, somebody from side another that side was losing or, just kept pumping out confidence. Or, yeah, but the <laughs> side that was losing, usually somebody will be like, eh, I, you know, I, I'm not even really that interested in this anymore. Or, you know, they'll give a hint like that. And um, but I will say, yeah, these everybody was I had no idea on either side. Now, the Kansas side. The people were very confident coming off that visit. You're right. It was a lot like Indiana with Ledlam. And it, it, the vibe when Ledlam left campus was, oh, he's coming back, you know, and I would have put happen. that at 96, 97 easily. Honestly. I dropped in our community. I was like, some good yeah. news is going to be coming down the pipe because everybody, I everybody said, thought that he's, he's locked in. <laughs> yeah. He's locked. He's going to go do this visit, but he's locked in. He was going to go to St. John's. Scenario. That was the, he was going to do St. John's and that was going to be it. And, and then he, of course, Tennessee jumped in. Um, but one thing I'll say about the Mbaka is a lot of people said after he did his visit to Indiana and canceled the visit to Louisville, I said, well, he knows where he's going. He's canceling the visit to Louisville. So why doesn't he just announce he's doing this to be a drama queen or drag this out or whatever, no. do an announcement. That was not the case guys. He was legitimately torn and he gave himself time. And then he figured he would have the pros and cons done by Friday and just announced that that would be the time. This was the and by all accounts, spent a lot of time doing due diligence, talking yes. to people, you know, like I think I think so, there was I agree. I don't think I don't think out. he dragged this out yeah. at all. I, and, you know, if he was going to drag this out, and do drama queen stuff, he would have done a big video production. He would have yep. done like had, you know, one of these groups shoot him, like put together a highlight video with him, like announcing or something like that or doing a hat. To, he just put it out on social media and that was it. I, I love the way they handled this recruitment. It was quiet. He was complimentary of both sides. Uh, you know, even if we had lost, you'd say like, well, it seems like a good kid who's, who's, you know, he made his decision because he thinks that's the best for him. But this was not one of those things where it was a drama queen recruitment. I, I absolutely did not get that vibe. And some people are saying that some people on the Indiana side were saying that. And now we're probably like, nah, he's great. It's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, but I, I give that, I give the family a lot of credit for the way they handled themselves. I tell you, man, you know, it's interesting, Tony, we were joking with you about Trilly Donovan, who is really like, I don't know who that is on Twitter, but he's created a real name for him or herself by being right on a lot of recruitments. And he said something today on Twitter, just in a reply that would have been really easy to miss that I think everybody should remember. And it was basically, I don't know. No one knows what's going on with this recruitment, so I'm not going to comment on it. And I think we would all be well served to do that and to pay attention to people who act like that. Because sometimes there just isn't information and you don't have to fill the vacuum with a wild guess or trying to make something up or coloring in a narrative that you think makes sense. Like sometimes you just have to leave space 
for what you don't know and wait until you find out the answer. That's kind of what we had to do with this one. And fortunately, the result was a good one for Indiana. It's rare that they play out this way where there isn't a hint or an indication one way or the other. Uh, Very rare. So I get people saying like, oh, somebody knew or whatever. No, this is a rare one where they really didn't. I think that a lot of times there are indications uh, one way or the other. Things are Like when Romeo, I I think a lot of people with Romeo's recruitment, that's a big one that, you know, was an announcement and came down to the wire and all that. And a lot of people thought, you know, he was going to Vanderbilt to play with the group that they were bringing. They brought in a lot of talented people. NBA practices, so, Ryan. NBA practices. So weird to think Bryce of Drew. Vanderbilt landing some big names. That, but Bryce a lot Drew. of people thought a lot of people thought they were trending that way. And, but the people who knew pretty much for the last week or so were like, he's going to Indiana. It's just gonna there's gonna be some show down the stretch, and he's gonna give indications, and you know he's playing out the drama a little bit. Not that again that he was a drama queen, but they were trying to build up excitement for the announcement remember and that event i do huge remember that event and uh, but i mean you know the, for about the last week pretty much everyone you talked to was like i don't know for sure but it's he's going the indications are all that he's going to india so i mean this was one where it that did not exist anywhere i couldn't get anyone to confidently say on either side of it oh yeah he's definitely going the kansas people were like yeah we think he's coming but they didn't know so uh, it just uh, crazy, crazy last week yeah. honestly yeah they're uh they're 24 7 insider he all but said he was putting a crystal he's like I, they asked me not to put a crystal ball in so i'm not going to but if i could <laughs> like he basically said i'm putting a crystal ball in for kansas uh but it, to me thanks it's for exactly your sacrifice jackass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's exactly what happened with ledlam though spicy you know, morris <laughs> Indiana staff had a supreme confidence. He was coming to Indiana and, you know, that, that got leaked out for, you know, through various sources. And then he went and had a great visit at Tennessee or, and, you know, they had their in-home with him and he flipped. And I think that's pretty much what happened here is he had a great Kansas visit, probably indicated in some fashion that I like it here. Uh, you know, I could see myself here. And then he went on his Indiana visit, and Indiana did everything it could. And, you know, hats off to the likes of, like, Adam Howard and, and those of the world that, man. you know, he's just he's just a GA. But, man, that dude gets it done, doesn't he? And then he was throwing some shade today on Twitter. Was he? he was, Good. I love he Adam sub, Howard. He right? subtweeted Dickinson. He did that, if you know, you know, with the radar image and then put, like, a MM with it. That was another was, one of those breadcrumbs today. That was well, another yeah, one. Yeah, Dickinson it. deleting that tweet. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, and I will say, so there were pictures that folks saw, you know, from uh, Mackenzie Mbako's visit. And in one of the pictures, he was wearing the uh, the official uh, national flag of Nigeria, mm-hmm. which was just a great, a great little touch to have. And I, like everything that you've heard about Create this that visit, Nigeria pipeline, baby. Come on, man. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, if we don't get him, it's not because we didn't pull out all the stops and go all out. Like, really, I mean, kudos to the staff and not just Mike Woodson, but the assistants, the support folks, everybody. Like, it really seems like this was a team effort um, to make this happen down to even just the little details. You know, and that's where, Ryan, I mean, you know, your your comments last night about the facilities and stuff have been controversial. There's obviously stuff I agree with and stuff I disagree with that you said, but Certainly when you're compared to Kansas, Indiana is going to be at a disadvantage in certain areas. How do you make up that, you know, that disadvantage with some of the little things, 
the relationships, the little touches. And so I really, I just, I want to give kudos to everybody involved in the recruitment um, for what I thought was just a great job to land a player that they really had to have. I mean, you needed this one. It was coming down to crunch time. Uh, You had to have him. Indiana got him. Just a good day for Indiana. Any final thoughts, Ryan? I know we got to wrap up here. (laughs) Yeah, it, look, and and I'll I'll go back to to what I was talking about last night with the facilities and and my point was is that these guys do work really hard and it sucks to lose because of things that are out of your control uh on a commitment or on something like that. If you mess up the recruitment, if you don't pay enough attention to a guy and he goes somewhere else, that's on you. If it's because he wants a massage chair in his locker, like, you know, I mean, it, that's that's something that's beyond your control. And and so it stinks to have uh, for the staff. And I know it's frustrating for the staff. It's been frustrating for past staffs to to deal with uh, comparison to other schools. So that is something that's still worth monitoring. I'm going to keep beating that drum. Indiana needs to step that up. That said, despite all of that, they were able to win this recruitment and they deserve all the credit in the world for that. It's the third straight year, as Rick pointed out, that they've landed a five-star on a short recruitment, done a great job. Let's hope that guys keep returning to schools uh, when they have when when Indiana has openings and guys bolt or coaches change or whatever, um, so yeah, and and also I'll say this: having these two five stars now, the work really gets the the work really needs to get done for Mike Woodson and his staff. Turn these guys into stars, and more five stars will come. I mean, that's the you know those guys from Montverde are watching Indiana closely to see what you do with Malik Renew, see what you do with Kello Ware, and see what you do with Mackenzie Baco, and how that changes. Uh, the 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 way the program is viewed from the outside. We love the program. We view it as very highly. Look at my freaking wall behind me. Like it's it's important it's quite to a wall. us. It's a good wall. But it needs to be viewed that way from the outside as well. And yeah. the more you produce good players, the more you put guys in the NBA, the more you develop players. And we've said it for years. Recruiting is important. Development is equally important because if you get a five star and don't develop him, he's just a good high school player. And and so that's the next step for these guys. They need to spend this summer getting in shape, getting up to the level, and then they could step on the floor in the fall and 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 really get going and help Indiana. It helps everybody. It helps their draft draft stock. It helps Indiana as a program. It helps them as a team. It helps the coaches look better too. Sure does. Ryan, thanks for being here. Thanks to Tony. Thanks to Rick. Thanks to Rob Cassidy of Rivals. Thanks to Coach Tonsoni for joining us as well. Thank you, as always, to Homefield Apparel, our sponsor here at the Assembly Call and the Back Home Network. They have an exquisite Indiana collection. They also have a really good Kansas collection. So if you, like me, have some Kansas fans in your life, like the lady across the street is a big Kansas fan, a gentleman uh, that my wife uh, works with is a big Kansas fan, Uh, They may be feeling bad uh, today. They may have believed all of the BS that was being pumped out to them um, from their insider websites that they read. And so they may really be taking this hard. Homefield Apparel has an excellent Kansas selection with some really, really nice stuff that you can buy for those folks and make them feel a little bit better here on McKenzie and Baco Day because it was not a very good day for them, but it was an excellent day for Indiana uh, as the Hoosiers get one of the highest rated players they've had. Um, And as we start looking forward to next season now, a lot of the anxiety and angst about, are we going to be able to find wings? Are we going to be able to complete this roster? The work's not totally done. But man, if you can't be happy about landing two McDonald's All-Americans in one recruiting cycle, like maybe just stop paying attention because I just don't know how you're going to be able to be pleased. And look, 
the success has to get better. Indiana needs to compete for Big Ten titles, make deeper runs in the NCAA tournament, and make recruiting like this the norm. But you know, once again, as we kind of look at the Mike Woodson era, every time there's kind of a big question or a big hurdle that needs to be gone over, this program keeps doing it. And they've got to keep going and keep progressing and keep making the success both on the recruiting trail on the court better. But this was yet another sign that things are going in the right direction. A good day for Indiana. Uh, certainly a good day for the assembly call because anytime we can get here and do an emergency pod and see this many of you here, it's always fun. But let's go have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, congratulations to McKenzie Mbako on making his choice. Very happy he's a Hoosier. Very excited to cheer him on. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon. And we'll have much more on this. And we'll start breaking down the you know the basketball parts of it even more as we go. But uh, just very excited. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. And of course, as always, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers.